weeks ago, Steve kicked off this series that we're in. We're going to finish out the month of June with this series called Forward, right? Uh, at first, we were talking about what's holding you back and looked at all these different characters in Scripture about the things that they let get in the way of what God was calling them into and how he still worked, how he still moved in spite of those things. And now we're talking about Forward. What happens that could have been very bad. I'm going to move up, move up just a little bit. Um, no, like, what? in what ways do we move forward? And Steve talked a couple weeks ago about how we use our time and how that time is limited. There should be an urgency to life. Like, biblically, you are not promised tomorrow. There is nothing in Scripture that says God is going to allow you to live this long and happy life. Like, we, we just really don't know. Right? It, it could be a tragic accident, or in reality, it could be God just calling his people home um, sooner rather than later. And I know a lot of people who like pray for that. They're like, all right, God, things are getting pretty rough out there. Like, I'm tired of wearing these masks. Just like, poof, bring me home. I'm ready for it. Um, and I get that. I get that. Some people are just ready to go home. And right now, we, it's officially summer. Yesterday was the first official day of, actually it was Sunday, first official day of summer. Um, and it's really easy to kind of hit that summer slump. You guys know what I'm talking about? Like you don't have school, you don't have to wake up early, maybe you're working. Who's working more hours for the summer? Who doesn't have to work at all over the summer and you're just kind of chilling and living it up? A couple of us. A little jealous of you guys, I'm not going to lie. Um, no, we kind of hit that summer slump. I remember in, in high school, I spent a lot of time working in daycare. Um, and um, I always got stuck with afternoon shifts, especially like right after I graduated my senior year, stuck with afternoon shifts that summer. And um, I, I really enjoyed it because that means I didn't have to be at work until like one or two in the afternoon. So I would wake up at like 10 or 11, and then like got to sleep in because I'd stay out till like two o'clock in the morning with my friends. And it was awesome. I kind of loved that. And after a little while, it got to be like, I'd be at work at one and I would wake up at noon, shower real quick, eat some food and rush off to like to work. And then I'd get off at like six, but I wasted like half my day, like just doing nothing. Right, we get really like wasteful because we don't have like those pressing deadlines. You don't have, I mean, and maybe some of you guys are doing summer school or trying to catch up on credits and stuff like that. But like a lot of us, we don't have those deadlines like we do during the school term. Like we just don't. And the craziest part is like, there will be a time when you're done with school where theoretically, like you won't have the same kind of deadlines unless you end up being a pastor and you've got like a sermon to write and prep for every single week. It's kind of like having a communications class, um, but it's a lot more fun and you don't get a letter grade on it because your boss doesn't come to youth group most of the time. Um, so it's fine. Um, no guys, we don't, we don't have those things pushing us forward. We don't have the like, oh no, I need to get this done. So some of us like we wake up in the middle of the afternoon, we go to work for a couple hours, then we get home and we're like, well, I don't really want to cook. So you go out to eat, and you're like, man, I'm bored. So you start playing video games, and before you know it, it's like 2 o'clock in the morning, and you're like, well, now I'm hungry again. What do I do? So you order doco, and you have it delivered, and if you haven't 
had Doko yet. I don't know how you've lived in Eugene this long, but Doko is so good, and they deliver late, man. They deliver late. Um, no, we stay up till two o'clock in the morning playing Call of Duty or whatever it is, and then we like fall asleep and we wake up the next day at like noon, wasted the entire day, make some food, maybe go to work for a little bit, do the same thing over and over again, and we hit this point not just in life, but with our faith with our faith, where we get really, really lazy with a pursuit of Jesus, right? We, I realized when I was in high school and I had just finished and I was doing this daycare thing that I was wasting so much time. Like, it's not like I like needed to sleep until 10, right? Because during the school year, I'd stay out till two o'clock in the morning and then I'd still wake up at six to make my 7 a.m. class. Like it wasn't like, oh, I like, I need this extra sleep. I didn't need the extra sleep. I just didn't have anything to do. And I was wasting so much time. And I realized I wanted to get that time back. But last year, not last week, two weeks ago, Steve talked about how like the time that we have, like we can waste it, we can't get it back. Like once time is gone, it's gone for good, right? You can try and make up for lost time, but it is really, really easy to waste time, especially, especially with a phone. Like, do you guys get screen time updates? And you guys, you get screen time updates? How many of you guys get convicted by your screen time? Only a couple of you guys. Okay, for the rest of you, I will pray for conviction. Um, no, I get, I get a screen time update every Sunday in the middle of church. And my phone vibrates. And you know what I immediately do in the middle of church? Pull my phone out and check my screen time. Not, and I know I'm going to get that screen time update, but I feel my phone vibrate. And I'm like, oh, what if it's someone who desperately needs me at 930 on a Sunday morning? I'm at work. Like nobody else needs me at 9.30 in the Sunday morning. I pull it out. I look at my screen time and I'm like, okay, that's like one and a quarter percent down from last week. Good job, Ryan. Good job. I spent 12 less minutes on Instagram. And then when we did this, this fast, uh, this 40 day fast as a church um, a couple of months ago, and my wife and I, we fasted from social media. We cut out social media and we, like, the only time we would get on it is sometimes for work. I have to get on social media, so I'll do that, but no scrolling. And I remember doing that, my screen time, like it plummeted. It went from like four hours on average per day to like 45 minutes on average per day. And I was like super proud of myself. But you know what also happened? There was this persistence from Instagram and Facebook where they were just like pumping out like notifications, notifications. They wanted me to get back. There was this, that pull, right? And sometimes like school and like the normal rhythms of life can be that pull for us to stay on top of something, right? Facebook, Facebook was telling me that my great aunt just posted for the first time in a while. Like, yeah, like I care about that. And it tells me that every single day. Aunt Gail posted for the first time in six months. I don't care. She never posts and she's fine. Like she'll be fine without me for a few more days liking that post. We get into this rhythm of things sometimes because that rhythm helps push us and pull us and keep us going on the track that we're going on. But as soon as we get off of that, we lose that. One of the maybe biggest blessings of a real adult life in the real world is you get into a rhythm that is not as seasonal, right? I don't get summers off. And I don't know about you guys, when I was in, when I was in high school and college and I was working, 
Who had to work spring break week? Like you were never able to get spring break week off of work. Only a couple of you guys. I'm still super jealous of the rest of you. I had to work for spring break, so I never got to go have a spring break trip. For summers, I got like one week of vacation. It was always unpaid vacation. You can't really afford to like pay for a big trip and not have a week of work. So you guess what I did? Just didn't go on big trips. Like I just didn't do it. Now that I'm an adult and I can actually afford to go on big trips, now I've got like a real job and I can't take that much time off of work. So it keeps me in this rhythm. Okay. Fast forward two years from me being in high school. I am in college and I'm working at a different daycare. Summer rolls around, but this time they said, Ryan, what shifts do you want? When do you want to work? And this time I said, I want to work the morning shift. And she said, all right, 6 a.m. Still dark outside. It's like, please no, please no. But you know what? This time, instead of working 1 p.m. to 6 p.m., I'm working 6 a.m. to 1 p.m. That's a longer shift. I'm making more money and I get my day back. I wasn't wasting time. Now, was I tired? Yeah, because I was still staying out till two o'clock in the morning. But I was going to do that pretty much no matter what time I had to go to work. So working the early shift, I had my entire day ahead of me. I wasn't wasting as much time. I was hanging out with my friends, but that also gave me the freedom and the opportunity to do things with the church that I was going to, to serve with the youth group, to hang out with my friends. We used to do this thing where all summer, every Friday night, any, has anybody ever been to the South? Any of you guys been to the South? Who's ever been to a Waffle House? Okay, who's heard of a Waffle House? If you haven't been there, okay. Waffle House is like the most mediocre thing ever and it's perfect in every single way in its form. Like the food is okay. The atmosphere is terrible. They all smell like cigarette smoke and old ladies named Gladys. Like it's, it's not good, but it's everything you want. We used to drive like an hour and a half to go to a different Waffle House every Friday night. That's what me and my friends did. Now that is kind of a waste of time, 100%. And a waste of money and gas but the memories that I made, the opportunities, the things that I got to do, spending time with my friends, it was so, so worth it. And we created these routines for ourselves over the summer. Now, I'm not saying you guys should drive an hour and a half away like every Friday to go to a different like, fast food restaurant, like, like go to Taco Bell. Like there's one like right down the street. I feel like that's a way better use of your time. Um, but, but we create these routines that help propel us into the things that are most important. All right, what I, want to I want us to think about like, what are the things that we actually place most importance on? Because scripture, scripture is pretty clear. It doesn't say where your treasure is, your heart will be. It says where your heart is, your treasure will be. The things that you value the most, the things that you internalize, you place the most value on those and you will give up anything to maintain those things, right? So sometimes in the summer, when we get out of our, get out of our routines, we need to reevaluate what is really important. Because a lot of times we will do things that are just lazy and we'll call it rest. Are any of you guys like that? I found out a couple years ago, my wife and I, we went um, to LA for spring break on vacation. And I found out that we vacation two very different ways. 
She wanted to like sleep in late, go get breakfast, hang out. And I was like, nah, man, we're in LA. I was like up at like 6.30 every single morning, like ready to go. We drove to San Diego one day. Like we were doing all these different things. We did Disneyland. We, I tried to pack as much into my vacation as I possibly could because I wanted these experiences, right? She wanted to rest. And sometimes we, now I did not rest at all on that vacation. It was not like, oh, this is restful. It was just out of my routine. In the summer, sometimes we get out of our routine and we call it rest, staying up till two o'clock in the morning playing video games or like playing capture the flag in the dark. Do you guys still do that? Who would be down to do that if we did that this summer? All right, cool. I'll talk to Steve about it. We'll see if we can make it happen. Um, That'd be so much fun. Uh, Anyway, I have no idea where I was at or where I was even going at this point. I'm so sorry. Um, no, like we call these things rest, but really it's just, it's just laziness. The Bible calls it slothfulness, okay? You guys remember the movie Ice Age, right? There's, and there's Sid the Sloth and that he's like too slow for every, like who's, I don't even know if you guys have ever seen a video of a real sloth move, but it is painfully slow. It is like super, super slow. And Bible calls it slothfulness, not because you're being slow, but because you have no cares in the world. It's laziness. And it doesn't talk well about slothfulness. It condemns slothfulness. It talks about he who doesn't work shouldn't eat. Don't be lazy because there's nothing for you. When you're just wasting time, you are wasting something that God has given you. And I want us to think about that tonight, not just with your time, but think about what has God given you? What has God provided for you? Are you guys coffee drinkers? And you guys morning people? Okay. I, at one point in my life, was a morning person. And I have now shifted. Like, if you, like... Like for myself, I really like like a really good cup of coffee. I've got a coffee grinder, make a Chemex in the morning. And what what ended up happening during the pandemic when I was working from home, my wife and I, we only had one car. So I would wake up in the morning and I would bring her to work and then I'd come home at like 7.15 in the morning. I'd make a cup of coffee, I'd drink it. And if any of you guys have ever made a Chemex, this is like, it's a process, right? Especially before I got the electric grinder and I had a hand grinder, it took me like 15 minutes to make a cup of coffee is even worth it at that point. Like after I'm like cranking this hand grinder for like 10 minutes, like I'm awake. I don't even need the caffeine anymore. And then I got an electric grinder and I was like, oh, this is so nice. This is so nice. And now I love that cup of coffee, but making a Chemex was really, really cumbersome. So I would do it on the one day I went into work late. The rest of the week, what do you do? Stop at Dutch Bros on the way to work. And that gets really expensive. And you know what that was? That's slothfulness. That's me being lazy and being a poor steward of the things that I have been provided. I've got really good coffee beans at home. Now, we're not here to talk about your coffee preferences. If you want to talk about coffee, we can talk about coffee, though, because I love coffee. Let's grab some coffee. Let's hang out. I'd love to get to know you guys. Um, No, like that that was me being lazy. So I bought a coffee pot. Now, is the coffee as good as my Chemex? Maybe, maybe not. I mean, it's, it's pretty close. It's a really nice coffee pot. But the goal was for me to be more intentional about stewarding what God has given me with my time, with my money, with my energy, all of these different things, okay? 
When we think about what we have, when we get out of these routines, are we using it the way that we're supposed to? At Ecclesia, we've recently got a new executive pastor um, at the church. His name is Matt. Matt is in his early 50s. He's got kids who are probably about your guys' age. Um, and Matt instantly became staff dad. Like Steve even kind of feels the same way. And Matt jokes about it. He was like, the other day he like bought us something. And I was like, thanks dad. And he was like, you're welcome, son. And like, he like instantly became this staff dad. And a lot of the people on our staff are in their like early and mid twenties. Like they're the same age as his kids. Well, Matt's son, who's 24, is back in back home in an internship uh, from an internship in Oklahoma, and they're actually from Idaho, but he's here in Oregon. And I met him last Sunday, and Matt was like, "Hey, Ryan, this is Drew. Drew, this is Ryan." And I was like, "Hey, man, super nice to meet you." And he goes, "You too. Let me know if you need anything from me this summer." And I was like, "Well, that's kind of a weird thing to say to somebody you just met." Right? Like, I'm not, I'm not used to that. Like, I don't, like, walk up to you guys and be like, hey, man, how's it going? They're like, great. Let me know how I can serve you. Because that would just make this really awkward, uncomfortable interaction. But that's, that's the way Andrew was. And as, I'm not painting him as, like, this super weird person. He told me, I told my dad what I need to do while I'm home for the summer is I need to get plugged in and I need to serve. He's been doing this ministry internship. He has found how valuable and important it is for himself to cling to Jesus and serving his church, being invested and involved in what is going on ministry-wise. So he comes to a new place, and the first thing that he looks for is, how can I serve? How many of you guys are not from the Eugene Springfield area? You're from at least an hour away or further, okay? For some of us, we move to a new area, we try and get settled. You start looking, well, first you've got to probably look for housing. Otherwise, it's going to be a very, very long semester or term. Uh, but then we start looking for friends and then we start looking for a church. That's what I did. I got into town and I was like, I need to find a church. I need to find a place that I can plug into, that I can serve. <clears throat> and, and I want to be invested in what is going on. I wanted to use my time wisely. When I met Drew, and he said, let me know if you need anything. Let me know how I can help you. He is so ready to serve. And I kind of started thinking about that as I was preparing for this, because the craziest thing is he, instead of using his summer, summer to be lazy and to be bored and to waste his time, he said, I want to use this time well, because God has given it to me. God has provided it to me. In, um, oh man, I didn't even write down the book of this verse. Well, there goes that. Um, in verse eight of some chapter of some book of the Bible, um, <laughs> maybe I'll remember where we were at uh, in a little bit. Um, it says, above all, I would tell you guys to turn there, but I don't know where to tell you to turn. Uh, it says, above all, keep loving one another earnestly, since love covers a multitude of sins. Show hospitality to one another without grumbling, as each has received a gift. Use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. Whoever speaks as one who speaks oracles of God, whoever serves as one who serves by the strength that God supplies, in order 
order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. To him belong the glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Guys, in verse 10, this, this passage says that there is a link between gifting, what you are gifted at, what you excel at, serving, and stewardship. Okay, your gifting in essence is what you are good at. It's, it, it could be any number of things. These can be spiritual giftings, like teaching, like leadership, hospitality, um, serving. It can, be, it can be, we were just talking about these in some of the leadership chats, exhortation and mercy. We can have these things that God has just naturally gifted us in where we excel when we pour out those things, when we share those things with others. Maybe, maybe God has given you some clarity on what your spiritual giftings are. And a lot of times when, for people in the church, when you talk about spiritual gifts, it's like, oh, speaking in tongues. And that's like, the, that's like, that's where the list stops. But there's so much more than speaking in tongues. There is so many more ways to really serve and build up God's church the way that he has called you to do that. There's also other gifts that you might have. Maybe you're in this room and you are a phenomenal athlete or you're a great student and you are passionate about learning. Maybe you love kids or youth kids or high schoolers and middle schoolers and you want to invest in somebody where you remember like maybe you had like a mentor or somebody who in some season of your life really built you up and you want to do the same thing. Maybe you're an artist or you love to bake. And if you love to bake, I know a few people that you could probably serve real, real easily, um, right? These, these are things that you are, are good at. And maybe it's super like natural or maybe you've put in a ton of work because I don't wanna say that like, for those of you who are good athletes, that like it was just natural. No, I mean like for some people it is. Like some people, you're just like born to a family where like you're destined to be six foot five and weigh 280 and like there is a scholarship with your name on it to some school somewhere, right? You guys know anything about Michael Phelps? Michael Phelps has an eight inch longer wingspan than he does height and his feet are incredibly long. That dude was built to swim. He was built to swim. That doesn't mean that he didn't work for it. That doesn't mean that he wasn't intentional about it. They didn't just like throw him into the water and he became a dolphin. Like he had to be intentional about putting in time and effort, right? To, to take care of his body. He, he had to learn what he needed. He had to be intentional even though he had a gift. When you are gifted with something and you recognize that gift, it is, it is in direct opposition to God for you to take that gift and to not use it. God has given you a gift for a reason. Think about it. It's your fourth birthday. Girls, I'm not really speaking to you right now because you may or may not have gotten Legos. It's your fourth birthday. A new Star Wars movie just came out and you get a Millennium Falcon Lego set. What do you say when you get this Lego set? This is where you guys answer. What do you say when you get this Lego set? Holy crap. <laughs> Thank you. Or unless you guys are just super rude because you're not from the South, like all of us perfect people from the South. No, you say thank you when somebody gives you a gift. 
at my fourth birthday party, I get this Millennium Falcon Lego set and I'm like, thank you. And I've got all these kids there at my birthday party and I take it and I run down the hallway to my room and I slam the door. Not because I'm sad, not because I'm upset. Forget about the rest of those people. I just got this Lego set. I just got the greatest gift I could have ever received for my fourth birthday. Fourth birthday, fourth grade. Fourth grade, you're not four building the Millennium Falcon Lego set. That would be, that's, that's a spiritual gift right there. That is a spiritual gift right there. Fourth grade, you're like eight. Okay, now the whole thing makes way more sense. Um, man, I'm just holding all sorts of stuff back from you guys tonight. Um, no, guys, you receive a gift and you say thank you. But the way that you say thank you is by putting that gift to work by putting that gift to work. And when you find out what you're good at, and that, that takes time. My guess is that some of you guys still are not sure, like, God, what, what am I super gifted at? Like, what do I excel at? And a lot of times that question comes from a place of insecurity where we see the things that other people are good at and we want to be what other people are good at. In our leadership chat outside, which um, Steve does around 6.15, 6.30 usually, we were talking about, this one, this one stuck out to me, this gift of exhortation, of encouraging people. Most of us probably don't think about being really good at building people up as a gift. But you know what? How many of you want to spend time around somebody who helps build you up and encourage you and propels you forward and, and motivates you? Of course we do. But we don't see that as a gift. We're like, oh, thank you so much. I really, really needed that. And then we turn it and we forget that that exists. Sometimes we don't look for the gift that we have. We look for the gift that we want because we don't see the value in what God has provided us. But when we see that, when we see the gift that God has given us, man, how can we not praise him for that? How can we not worship him for that? This verse I actually did write down. It's Ephesians chapter one, verse three. Paul writes, blessed be the God and father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Now, he goes on from this verse to talk about how God has predestined us for adoption. He is welcoming us into his family, how God wants us to know him as our father. But there's also evidence right here of provision from God. He has provided you with blessings. He has provided you with gifts. He has provided you with passions in life. And sometimes those passions and those gifts are, are almost the exact same thing. The question is, what are you going to do with those? And that brings us to serving. What does it look like to serve people with your gifts? I think we only think of like, oh, like I, I can only serve people in the church or all, all serving needs to be in the church. And, and serving in your church, I would say, is a huge part of walking with Jesus. But there's other ways that you can serve God as well. In the church, 
Okay, if you're passionate about seeing kids mentored, you can serve in our kids ministry on Sunday mornings. You could serve in youth on Wednesday nights with middle school and high school kids and hang out with them and disciple them to talk to them about Jesus. And maybe they're the same age now that you were when you first heard the gospel. Maybe it's kids who are going, whose parents are going through a divorce right now and you've got experience, you know what that's like. Maybe, maybe you you don't have any idea how to serve and you don't like kids, that's fine. They can be super annoying sometimes, but you're like, man, I want to serve our church. What do I do? But you're passionate about seeing people feel welcome. We've got greeters every Sunday that try and be a smiling face when they meet you. What we really need right now is we need a parking volunteer to help tell people where to park on Sunday mornings because that parking lot is a mess. If you can point and have a smile on your face and don't want to wear a mask while you're outside, let me know and we'll get you plugged in as our parking volunteer. You don't have to, it's not a chauffeur. You're not like parking people's cars for them. You're just smiling and telling them where to go. Maybe you've got some crazy, awesome organizational skills. And we've got, we've got this closet at our office that's a mess. If you want to come help organize it for us, that'd be great. Because clearly that is not something the rest of our staff is super gifted at. Maybe you're an artist or a photographer and there's places for you to serve on our production and our creative and our media team. Maybe you just want to make sure there's an opportunity for people to hear about Jesus every week. And guess what, guys? We go to a set up and tear down church. We get there early, we set it all up. And after everybody leaves, we tear it all back down and we put it into trailers, we move stuff around. There are so many opportunities to serve at our church. And I'll also say this, if you are passionate about community, if you want to get to know people, you want new friends, you want to see new faces, the best way to meet new people at any church, but especially at our church, is to come and serve in some capacity. Because what you're doing when you're, serve, when you're serving is you're recognizing God's gift to you and you're using it and saying thank you at the same time. You don't get a gift. You don't receive a gift and just like blow it off. Not if it's a good one. When I was a kid um, in the South, there's Dollar Generals like everywhere, like everywhere. Like you stand in the parking lot of a Dollar General and you could throw a rock and hit another Dollar General. It's kind of like Starbucks is, um, but there's these like dollar stores everywhere. And we've got a couple of them starting to pop up around Oregon. It took a while to make it out here. My aunt, when I was a kid, she would, for my birthday, would go and she would buy these really, really cheap rubber action figures. And it was like wrestlers, but they like were not imitations of real wrestlers. It was just like the scorpion. And it was just like an all black rubber stick figure. And I didn't want that. I didn't. It wasn't a very good gift. But it took me a while to realize that financially, that's about all she could do. And she did not have to give me this gift. She wanted to give me a gift. And over time, I remember when, when so I got these like little rubber action figures until I was in like middle school, I was like 12, maybe 13. And I was like, dude, if she gets me another one of these action figures, I'm gonna rage quit on Christmas morning. Like, this is not what I want. And she hands me this envelope. And I was like, that's not thick enough to have an action figure in it. What's going on in there? I open it up, 
$20 gift card to the movies. And I was like, I have arrived. We have made it. And she goes, I, th I thought that you were probably a little old for an action figure this year. And I was like, I could not agree more with you. <laughs> not only did she provide a gift that I wanted, but there was thought. There was intention put into this gift. She knew that I would use it. It didn't take me long to go to the movies to spend this entire gift card because you, like, you buy your movie ticket and then you buy some popcorn and a drink and your $20 gift card, and pff, it's gone, right? But I, there, was, there was some thought that went into that. When God gifted us, there was so much more intention and thought that went into that because God intimately knows who we are more so than we know ourselves, God is not waiting to figure out what our spiritual gifts are. God has gifted them to us already. He has put them in our possession. And guys, probably more so than we realize, we are exercising those gifts in some way, shape, or form. But he calls us into serving with those gifts. Jesus calls the disciples into ministries and says, hey, drop everything, come follow me. They do. They leave fishing businesses. They leave these jobs as tax collectors. They, they leave all these different professions to come and follow Jesus, to come and serve Jesus. And over time, he reveals to them what their giftings are. You know why? Because Jesus cares about people. Jesus cares about people. Maybe your spiritual gift is caring because there's a lot of people that we deal with right now who just don't seem to care at all. Jesus' message was definitely to repent, turn away from your sin, the kingdom is near, come follow me. But he told those people to come follow him with compassion. He had compassion on people. And it's so easy to lose sight of that. Now, after a year or so of COVID and distance learning and everybody is just a screen name or whatever it is, and they stop being a human. Guys, let's do ministry. Let's get passionate about seeing Jesus be the focus in our own lives. That's where it's got to start. You cannot inspire somebody to be passionate about Jesus unless you yourself are passionate about Jesus. Because your words, they have power. Your actions show people what's important to you. And that brings us to stewardship. Okay, being a steward means to take care of something. Are you taking care of the gifts and passions that God has given you? Are you taking care of them well? Like finances, for instance. I feel like finances is a really easy one to talk about stewardship, right? That one's really important. Don't spend more than you make. Have some sort of savings. Like, use your money wisely. Some people will tell you don't spend money on items. Spend money on experiences. I think there's some wisdom in that. I also think there's some wisdom in, like, you know, enjoying the life that you have. I think there's a lot of wisdom in sharing the wealth that you have. Stewardship is really easy to talk about when it comes to money. But we also need to steward our time. Are you guys in here procrastinators? You like wait until the last second? I do that with some things. I procrastinate. I still procrastinate. Not as much as I used to. Like all through the five and a half years I was in college, I don't think I turned in a single paper that I wrote more than like two days before it was due. 
And I've, I've shared a little bit of the story of the professor that I had where I turn in a paper and he would say like, hey, you can do better. He'd give me a bad grade. I'd turn in a new paper. He'd give me a worse grade. And he said, you can do better. Finally, when I actually put time and effort into turning in the papers, they were, I got a good grade. Because when we procrastinate, when we don't use our time wisely, it's evident, it's clear. I remember being in college I was an art major at the time, and I had I was in this, this 3D class. I don't really know what else to call it. It was like kind of sculpture. It was like building stuff. It was like, and, and I had these two older ladies who were like in their 50s in this class. And every project that they turned in, it looked like something a 50-year-old lady would turn in for sure, 100%. But they were always more finished than mine. They weren't like getting to class early to finish wrapping up the last little details and stuff. They were done. They were complete. Maybe they weren't my vibe, but like they're 50-year-old ladies. Like I'm not expecting them to be my vibe. They also got better grades than I did. And at one point I was like, dude, it's just because you're old. And then I realized, no, it's because they were mature. Think about yourself. If you're 18 in here, think about before that. But like if you're 21 or 22 and you're a junior or senior, you're wrapping up college, are you the same person that you were at 18 and a freshman? I really hope not. If you're 18 and a freshman, are you the same person when you were a freshman in high school? I really hope not. Over time, we mature and we learn things. We learn how to use and budget our time well because it can be wasted. I don't know how much time I spent driving to Waffle House at two o'clock in the morning and not writing papers when I could have. My freshman year, I remember, I'll never forget this. I was like, I got a paper I got to write tonight. It's due tomorrow. Haven't started on it. Walked down to the 7-Eleven, got two of the giant rock stars, like the big, like 30 ounce ones, pounded both of them, went to sleep like 20 minutes later, woke up, walked into class and everybody's like passing their papers forward. Not me, not this guy, -uh, no way. I didn't budget my time well at all. And I was like, oh, I'm just gonna rely on this crutch, this last little thing to get me there. I didn't do anything. I just went to sleep. I didn't budget my time well. I was a procrastinator. I, I didn't think about the implications and the ramifications of my actions. And as it's summertime and we're kind of like slipping into this slump and this funk, by all means, please rest this summer. When you don't have papers to turn in, when you don't have tests to study for, when you don't have exams and all of these things, rest. But don't, but don't pretend like, you know, 24-hour Call of Duty marathons are rest because they're not. And you guys are like, dude, I don't play Call of Duty. You hang out with way too many high school kids. Maybe you do play Call of Duty. I don't know. I worked, at, um, I worked at this summer camp in Kentucky uh, when I was in college um, for one summer. It was the same camp that God had initially spoken to me. It's the same place that I, I came to believe and trust in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior for my salvation. <clears throat> and they had a slogan for the staff. Okay, there was a staff like page where you would go and, and apply. And the slogan was, this is the hardest job you'll ever love. The hardest job you'll ever love. And it was 100% that. I had to be on, like, and going, hanging out with kids, like, excited 
from 6 a.m. to 2 a.m. every single day. I got nine days off in that entire three-month period. Hardest job in the world. And this was not just like, just like hanging out and like sitting there. It wasn't like typing. I'm like running around. I'm putting on games. I'm helping lead worship. I'm doing all this stuff. I'm exhausted. And at one point in the summer, I was like, I cannot do this anymore. I should not be here. They need to just fire me and send me home. I'm going to go quit. And what it was is I, I was not trusting in God to get me through it. I was just trusting in the gifts that he had given me. I'm extroverted, I can be loud and I can be excited and I can woohoo and all this stuff. But I wasn't trusting in the God who had provided for me in the first place. And I had somebody call me on it. Dude, what are you doing? What do you mean you can't be here? You need to be here. But what you need to do in order to be here is you need to say, God, I want to use what you've given me well. So this summer, as a lot of you guys are probably hanging around Eugene, maybe you've got some other stuff going on, you've got some vacations planned, or maybe you're gonna go visit family or whatever it is. How are you going to use your time well? How are you going to use your energy well? How are you going to use your gifts well? Because if you don't use them at all, you're saying, God, these gifts don't matter. Maybe you're not serving your church. Maybe, maybe you're serving in a community. Maybe you're an athlete and you're helping put on a sports camp for, for an organization or whatever it is. Maybe you're gonna coach like a little league team this summer. How are you going to invest in people? Because at the end of the day, people are what matter. And we're living in a time and place where people are becoming less and less human because of the barriers that we build up for ourselves. Guys, we, we just started our internship today. We've got our interns here. And if you are still interested in getting into the internship and you're like, oh, I just didn't know, like talk to me before you go. Like we can get you guys signed up for this internship. We want you guys to be a part of it. I'm super excited for this intern class. And today Steve taught our interns on the core values of Ecclesia the core values of Ecclesia, the guidelines for everything that we do to glorify Jesus, to love one another, to walk in truth, to proclaim the gospel, to be led by the Holy Spirit and to pursue excellence. These are the things that can guide the way that you spend your time, the way that you spend your money, the way that you spend your effort, the way that you use your gifts. Sometimes what you need is you need a lens, you need a filter to look at everything that you do and say, am I getting closer to my purpose or am I getting further away? And when our purpose is to glorify God, to love one another, to walk in truth, to proclaim the gospel, to be led by the spirit and to pursue excellence. If you attend Ecclesia in any capacity, that is, those, those core values are there for you as well is what you're doing, is the way that you're, you're living your life, getting you closer to those guidelines, to the end goal, bringing glory to God and enjoying the relationship that he's got for you. Guys, whatever we do, whatever we've got, whatever we're good at or passionate about, how do we use those things to point back to God? How do we use those things to say, God, I, I want to make much of you. You know, one thing that Jesus followers are really, really bad about is taking compliments. 
Somebody's like, oh, you did so well up there on stage. Yeah, I guess I did all right. I've never, ever in my life heard a Christian say like, yeah, dude, I totally crushed it. Because for some reason, we think, we think that that is super arrogant and prideful. But if you have been gifted to say, oh, I guess I did fine, like, eh, I could have been better. You are downplaying the gift that God has provided you with. I'd love to teach a class to Jesus followers on how to take compliments and how to reciprocate that. Because I think that's something, like who we are, our identity is wrapped up in who God says we are, who he's made us to be. And one of the things he's called us to is to use our gifts well, to serve people, to love one another, and to steward the time, the energy, the money, the responsibilities, to steward what he's provided us with. Because it's not ours. It's his. He's the one that gave it to us. But that will only be done, that stewardship, that service, that using those gifts will only be done when you take what God has given you and we point it back to him. 